Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Worship. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. the only God. You are the only one worthy to be worshipped. We thank you, Father. You alone, Father, raised us up out of, the, out of death, Father, and into everlasting life. You alone, Father, have, worshiped, have, have placed your spirit in us. You alone, Father, are the great God worthy to be worshipped. Father, there is no God like you. All the gods that have come before you, Father, have died and are no longer alive, Father. You were here before us. Father, you created us, and you're still alive today. So, Father, we thank you. And you're alive and active, Father, in our lives. You live on the inside of us. You dwell on the inside of us, Father. We are empowered by your Spirit. Father, we carry your Word. We carry the same power that created all of the universe in us. Father, we thank you. And Father, we thank you that New Year's, there's no time for you, but it is a new year for us, Father. A new time to see you move, a new time to grow closer to you, a new time to have greater revelation of who you are in our lives to see you work through us to the benefit of those around us, Father. We are carriers of your power and your spirit, Father, and your might. And we will carry that power into the world to affect a change in the course of the direction of, of people's lives, Father. To show them the goodness of God. To show them the love of God. To show them the power of God. Father, we are ambassadors for Christ sent on a commission from heaven to tell the world of your good news. Father, it is good news that you've saved us. You said that you go to prepare a place for us. Father, you, you have a place set aside for every person in this world. Special to them. Unique to them, Father. Father, you said that you would prepare it yourself. You said, I go to prepare a place for you. Father, we thank you. And we will show the world, Father, there is a place for them set in heaven. 
today, even now, that they'll accept you in their hearts, Father. They'll have their eternal destiny set. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the work of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you for all things that you've placed and blessed us with. We give you the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. He's never not good. He's always good, you know. And, and um, I know I've told you before, but uh, uh, when I got saved, I didn't have, I didn't know any Bible, didn't know any book, chapter, and verse, never heard of John 3.16, didn't know, you know, didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost, you know, never heard of, you know, Abraham or, you know, uh, great men and women of God from the Bible. Uh, but the, the only revelation that I had was that God was good. And I didn't know anything. I couldn't tell you uh, a Bible verse for anything. You know, I told you I witnessed to my sister one time, said, you need to get saved. And she said, saved from what? And I said, I don't know. That's just what you're supposed to say, right? You need to get saved, right? Now, I could tell her now. I mean, if she's got several hours, I could tell her what that means today. Uh, but um, uh, I didn't know. I mean, that was, those, aren't those the words you're supposed to say? You need to get saved, right? And, and, uh, and of course, later on, years later, she said, well, you know, my preacher saved me. <laughs> so she didn't know much more about getting saved than I did at the time, you know. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't save nobody. Do I save anybody? I didn't save nobody. Uh, the Lord saves all of us. Amen. Uh, but I knew God was good. You know, and if you know God's good, that'll carry you through a lot of things, right? That'll, that'll get your doctrine straightened up. Because, you know, a lot of times people say, well, God put sickness and disease on me. You know, I told you I was at my nephew's funeral many, many years ago. And the preacher got up and said that God took him. You know, God needed him in heaven more than, than he needed him on the earth. And. You know, uh, of course, I was saved by that time, and I wanted to throw my shoe at him. I thought it might be disrespectful, so I didn't do it. But isn't that a terrible thing to say, that God took a teenager from his mother? Uh, that's a terrible thing. A good God wouldn't do that, you know. Uh, you don't even have that book, chapter and verse, to, to be smart enough to know that. Uh, and uh, I wonder about people sometimes. You know, I hear people say things, you know, well, God did this, God did this, you know, God put this on me, you know, God caused me to have an accident, you know, straighten me up. And, um, uh, what, you know, how would... How would the world treat you if you did that to your children? You know, uh, they'd arrest you and put you, you know, take your children away. You are unfit to be a parent. Uh, and is God unfit to be a parent? He's the best parent there ever was. Amen. In fact, he, he makes a comparison between him and, and fathers on the earth. He said, wouldn't I do much more? How much more uh, would I do for you than a good father on the earth? Amen. Uh, and so it's uh, sometimes I, I wonder about the church. And, you know, to me, these things are not hard things to understand that God's good. Is that very hard to understand? Not very hard to understand, amen? And yet, uh, you know, people get kind of fighting mad about that sometimes. Well, God, you know, of course God did that. Really, God put that sickness and disease on you. Where do you reckon he got it from? Any sickness and disease in heaven? I thought Jesus said, my will be done on earth as, as it is where? In heaven, right? So whatever heaven is like, that's the will of God for it to be on the earth. In fact, over in the Old Testament, he said we can have days of heaven upon the earth. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's the will of God. So now that and we're not just supposed to sit around and just, you know, go through life and on, on flowery beds of ease and just do nothing. You know, and, uh, we do that when we get to heaven, but although I suspect that we'll be doing plenty when we get to heaven. But uh, the, part of the reason why we need to have it good on the earth is so we can help people around us. If you don't have it good, uh, how, how helpful are you to anybody else? Right. Uh, I mean, if, if the Lord's never prospered you, how can you help somebody else prosper? Because uh, Jesus said. That, uh, uh, that if you give with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall what? Men 
give into your bosom, right? So it's going to be prosperous people that give into your bosom, right? It doesn't have to be worldly prosperous people. It's perfectly fine for godly prosperous people to give to you, right? Uh, and yet uh, uh, we, we come up with all kinds of crazy things. Well, God wants me to be poor. Well, how, how are you going to go into all the world to preach the gospel? You know, it's expensive to go into all the world to preach the gospel. Uh, and, you know, some people, in fact, I told you one person said that we shouldn't go on mission trips because it's expensive, which you know, I can't I can't imagine standing before the Lord Jesus. And he said, hey, did you go on that mission trip I told you about? Well, Jesus, didn't you see the cost of that airplane ticket? You know, it cost hundreds of dollars, Jesus. So we we we, we spent that money in ourselves. We bought clothes and we bought an Xbox. You know, we played video games all day long, you know, bought a nice TV. But we couldn't we couldn't afford to go on a, on a mission trip. And how well, can, how well you reckon it's going to fly with the Lord, right? Uh, I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? Uh, and so it, it, takes, it takes money to do things, right? It takes money to have a building. And, you know, I mean, not that it's a, a big deal, but, uh, you know, uh, there are people who say we shouldn't have church buildings because it costs money. Uh, and, and, well, is that the reason why we do anything? Because of money? Is that our, is that our goal? Uh, I remember years ago, I was, uh, there was a fellow who was an evangelist or a missionary uh, he said, you shouldn't buy a nice Bible. Uh, all you people buying them $60 Bibles. Of course, that was been a lot of years ago, right? $60 Bibles. He said, you know how many Bibles you can send to China for $60? Well, you know, you could send a lot of Bibles to China for $60. But why would, can't we do both, right? Is the Lord limited that we can't have a nice Bible and have, you know, send a, a Bible to China? Uh, you know, of course, I know, in, I know in a lot of places like that, they just happen to have a single page of a Bible. A lot of times they'll get a Bible and they'll take it apart. And everybody will get a page because they can't afford to have their own Bible or, or it's too risky to have their own Bible. And so, uh, but why can't we do both? You know, the Lord's not limited. People always put constraints on God as if, as if he's limited, as if he goes, boys, you know, today's not a good day. You know, just come back tomorrow. We might have some more. We're out of food today. We're out of money today. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, you know, we got the, we got the baby angels over there working hard. You know, they're going to come up with some more money. And uh, I mean, the Lord's not limited as far as I, as far as I can tell, you know. I thought he said that the earth is, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, the earth has never changed ownership, right? The earth has always been the Lord's. It never was not the Lord's. It's always been the Lord's. And he said the gold is mine, the silver is mine. He didn't say the devil's got it. You know, the devil, uh, the, the, the Bible calls the devil the god of this world. But it only means that from the standpoint of just like the, the, the mafia is the god of their little world, right? That doesn't mean they're legally the god of this world. Uh, but they, they run it as if they are, as if they're in charge then the devil is not legally the God of this world, not since the cross, right? He was before the cross, but not since the cross. Uh, but he doesn't own anything. The devil owns nothing. All of, the, all of the earth is owned by the Lord. It's always been owned by the earth, never been transferred to anybody, including Adam, right? Though it gave dominion or responsibility or authority over the earth to run it to Adam, but he never transferred the ownership of the earth itself to Adam. You know, just like if you run a business and you hire a manager, you've given them uh, a legal right to run the place but they don't own the place, right? Uh, whoever owns the place, they're the owner, amen? Uh, and the Lord has never transferred ownership. So, it's, so everything on the earth belongs to the church. It doesn't belong to the world. You know, the, the world has found good ways to take advantage of, of the earth uh, and, has, and has been increased because of that. But the, earth, but the earth belongs to the church. It doesn't belong to, uh, I mean, we belong to the church because it's our inheritance, right? Uh, and everything that Jesus had has been given to us. So we own it because uh, we're, we're the children of the Most High God. Uh, and so there's just a lot, of, a lot of silliness that goes on in the church in the area of just who God is and, and how limited God is, and they act like God's so far away. And, uh, and so 
um, we have been teaching on the anointing and um, I just said, so just, just a few more things we need to teach uh, uh, in, the, in this area. And, you know, part of it is because uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit is here on the earth, right? The, the, Jesus is in heaven. God the Father's in heaven. But the ministry of the, of the Holy Spirit is on the earth. He, Jesus said, I sent him to the earth. So he's here on the earth and he resides in our hearts. And, and really, you can't teach too much, I don't think, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit because... Uh, that's really what separates the church from every other organiza- organization on the earth, right? There are a lot of organizations that do good, do good work, right? The Red Cross, they send blankets and things to people and blood, you know, and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, you've got, you got the JCs and Rotary Clubs and all those types of things, Lion Clubs, right? You've got all these organizations that do good things. Uh, but if the church doesn't have the Holy Spirit, we're just one of, of many organizations that do, quote, good things, right? We help the poor, and of course the world's always trying to constrain us. Only help the poor and shut up and don't tell us how to live or anything. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is really what distinguishes the church from the rest of the world. And the Holy Spirit resides in us. The greatest power in the universe resides in you right now. You know, it's the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit is what created everything, right? It was done by the direction of the, Holy, uh, by direction of, of the Lord Jesus, uh, under the, the, the uh, overall plan of God the Father, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit that does all the creation in, in the earth, in the universe. Uh, and that power resides in you. And, and part of our job as a church is to learn how to work with that power uh, in all that we do, not just in ministry, but in, in all that we do, because as, as Christians, we should be the best uh, employees, we should be the best employers. Uh, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, how that uh, everything you lay your hands to will, will prosper. Well, how's that going to happen? Because the Spirit of God will show you how, to, how, how that should work, what things you should lay your hands to, how you should lay your hands to those things. Uh, and the Spirit of God will show you those things. And so we in the church need to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life, not just in the ministry, not just on Sunday mornings and not just you know, not just uh, uh, when somebody's in, in dire need of help, but just day to day, every day. He lives in you every day. He's not just a, a two or three hour a week kind of uh, Holy Spirit, right? He, he desires to be part of your entire life, not just, just the lives of ministry, amen? Because doesn't he know everything? You know, just, just uh, one little piece of information could change your whole life, right? Uh, I remember years ago, uh, I was at work, and um, just kind of minding my own business. And, and, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. He's, he said, I had a retirement program. You know, a lot of companies have retirement programs. And they have uh, uh, different stocks and things, you know. And so uh, the Lord said, uh, sell all the stock in the company and put it into another fund. Well, I didn't even know if that was, uh, it was that possible. I didn't know if that was possible to do that or not. So I had to call up, you know, whoever the powers that be said, hey, I would like to, sell all the stock that I have in the company. Is that a thing? Can I do that, sell all the stock in the company and put it into another fund? They said, well, yeah, you can do that. You know, you just got to fill out this paperwork, get a couple notes from your mom, you know, some things like that, and, and we'll let you do it. And, and, and so I did it. Well, you know, I didn't know, but that was, that was when the stock price for the company was the highest it had ever been, never been that high. And, and decades later, it's never gone that high again. In fact, you know, the company, you know, split and became a different company basically many years later. Uh, but... You know, would I know that? Uh, does anybody know that? Nobody knows that, but who knows that? The Lord knows that, right? Uh, and, and so 
Uh, can he help us in day-to-day affairs? Can he help us in all that we do? You know, now I'm not a stock person. You know, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, some people, they they get involved in stocks and stuff. In fact, the Lord's always kind of had me not really be involved in that because it would be all consuming. Uh, And so uh, that's just my path. You know, if the Lord's had you involved in that, that's, that's, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, And so, uh, and I, and I told, I was telling this same story many years ago and, and I said, I'm not a stock expert. Don't come up and ask me, you know, any of my stock. I don't know. Right. What, What should I invest in? I don't know. What's the Lord told you? Uh, but someone came up to me that same service said, hey, so what should, where should I put my money? <laughs> I'm not a, don't ask me, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but the Lord knows, amen? Uh, and so he wants to be uh, involved in, part of, in all of your life, right? The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to advance the kingdom of heaven, right? Which is really the primary purpose of your existing on the earth is to advance the kingdom of heaven. Our existence on the earth is not to whoever dies with the most toys wins, right? It's not, it's not to have families and anything like that. All those things are fine. Nothing wrong with those things. Uh, but the primary purpose of why we breathe, why the Lord hasn't come back is because there's still more work to do. If all the work was done, the Lord would come back. We'd all go to heaven. It'd all be over. Amen. But, but if, he, if he has not come back, then there's more work to do. So we should always have that kind of thought in our mind. Nothing wrong with, with, with having careers and families and all those things. You know, you know those, are, those are fine uh, as long as they're in the right priority, right? Our priorities should be Lord, how do I advance your kingdom on the earth? What can I do to advance your kingdom? Uh, and so that's where we got to uh, Mark chapter 16 here. And we'll, we'll read our verse that we'd started this discussion with. Uh, this was in uh, Mark 16, 19. It says, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And as they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So, the key here is that the Holy Spirit does what? He works with us, right? So, so uh, that, that really implies more than just, well, um, well, we do things for the Lord and we hope it's okay. See, that's not really working with somebody. That's working for somebody, amen? Uh, and and uh, I know in one sense we do work for the Lord, but specifically he wants us to know that the, Lord's, the, the Lord wants to work with us. In other words, we're working together. We're partners together in things, right? In whatever we're doing. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, in fact, uh, uh, the word paraclete, which Jesus said that, that the Holy Spirit was the comforter, uh, one definition of that means one called along beside, together with, against. So uh, he's called to be along beside us, right? Uh, to work with us, together with us, against whatever we're working in on this life. So that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He wants to work with us. And so it's a partnership. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, <clears throat> we talked about our 52-week um, uh, challenge about inviting people to church. But one of the things you need to, pre- when, you, when you're talking, whenever you're ministering to somebody, right, in that sense, right, you, you talk to somebody and you realize this person uh, needs more of the Lord or they need, uh, uh, they're not going to church, they need to go to church. Uh, but you should always have an awareness, okay, Lord, uh, I'm going to believe that you've orchestrated this whole situation because you desire everybody to be blessed. You desire everybody to be in church. You desire everybody to, to know you uh, like you want us to know you. Uh, and I'm going to believe that as I'm talking to this person, that you're also talking to them. So we're working together with them. I, whenever I'm talking to somebody, I'm always, my expectation is, okay, Lord, I'm talking to the natural person, but you're talking to the spiritual person. And you're encouraging them that you're witnessing to them that the things that I'm saying is right because I'm, uh, hopefully the things that I'm saying are lined up with your word. And so I always have an awareness that I'm working with him. 
When I'm talking to somebody, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, we're working on this together. Now, they don't know it, right? They don't know they're being double teamed, right? They think it's just me, but it's not just me. It's me and the Holy Spirit, right? So it's two against one. They've already lost. They don't even know they've lost, but they've already lost, right? And so, so you should have that awareness that whenever you're talking to somebody, especially trying to help them and minister to them, that the Spirit of God is with you, right? He's working with you for the benefit of that person. Uh, and, and that's an awareness that most of the church, you know, really, we really don't think about that. We really don't uh, have an awareness of that on a, on a day-to-day basis, but we can and we should, amen? Uh, and so that, and that's the whole point of the anointing. So, so this whole teaching has been about the anointing, but the anointing is just the manifest presence of the Spirit of God, Him working in you for the benefit of somebody else. And so uh, that's, that's uh, our foundation scripture there. Uh, and so uh, I wanted to look at, uh, let's turn over to uh, Luke chapter 4, where in Mark. Um, so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, in general, about how to work with the anointing of somebody else. Because part, part of learning how to work with the anointing that's in your life, you know, it's helpful to see how it works with other people's lives. And really, uh, and we're going to, after that, then we're going to eventually talk about the anointing upon the ministry gifts that the Lord has placed in the church. Because one of the greatest ways to learn how to work with the anointing in your life is to see how the Lord works with the anointing in other people's lives. And, and I, I believe part of the purpose of having the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher in the church, is to be an example to the church of here's how to work with the anointing. Uh, and uh, I was watching uh, just Brother Randy the other day. He was teaching and he was talking about how uh, that as he teaches, that he teaches from a, a prophetic standpoint. But it's not because he's a prophet. He stands in the office of the prophet. But uh, the, word, uh, the word prophesy means to speak by sudden inspiration. And really all ministry gifts should be uh, speaking by sudden inspiration as they teach, right? It's not just a book report. It's not just, I'm going to read he, this information to you uh, and, and then we're done, right? We're going to cover chapter two and then we're done. Uh, it, it really, all ministry gifts should operate from a standpoint of sudden inspiration. We should be speaking the things that the Lord desires us to speak. But see, you can, you can learn from that because when you're speaking to somebody, didn't Jesus say, don't be concerned about what you're going to say because I'll give you the words, the Spirit of God will give you the words to say in that moment? Well, that's the, the spirit of prophecy. That's the spirit of, of speaking by sudden inspiration. It's not like something comes on you and, and all of a sudden you're, you're possessed, you know, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't possess us like, like devils possess people. It's just, it's really, we're working together with them. Uh, and, it, and it's really a flow that you sense that you, that you need to say some things and, and you just kind of go down that path. And that's really the majority of how I teach is just, you know, I'll start with a verse, I'll start with a, a subject or a topic, but a lot of what's said in between the, the verses and the topics is just whatever's in my heart, whatever comes up out of my heart. And, and, and you know, you do this after a while and you're kind of used to it. You're, you're comfortable with doing that. You, you get used to that leading that I'm just really on a bus. I'm on a, you know, I'm a passenger on a bus. It's the Holy Spirit's bus and I'm just kind of going with the flow that, that he wants me to go in. And that should be how we can conduct all of our lives when we're talking to people. And, and you know, you, you ever had an unction that, you know, I really need to, to say something to them. Or sometimes you know something about them and you're, you're going to say something and you, you have an unction, you know, I shouldn't bring that up right now. Well, that's the Holy Spirit working with you, right? That's not the time to bring that up. Maybe tomorrow is the time to bring it up, but that's not the time to bring it up. Sometimes, you know, uh, you say things and you know, I need to say this. It's still, you know, they're not going to be happy. And you, but you say it anyway, right? And, and so that's part of learning how to work with the Lord is learning how to flow with that anointing that's in you when you're talking to people, 
But see, that works at work. That works at Walmart. That works at the gas station. It works everywhere, right? But it works from the pulpit too. So uh, seeing how it operates in the ministry, in the ministry gifts and learning how to work with that is helpful to us because it's always been helpful to me to see, you know, for me, when I got involved in, in the charismatic and Pentecostal church, of course, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know anything. But the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit was always a mystery to me. It always, always something that just seemed so far away. Like, you know, I remember watching Kenneth Copeland on TV and thinking, Nobody can ever have that much faith. Who, who gets that much faith, right? How do you even get that much faith? Uh, and, and, and not realizing that I could have it someday and seeing him as more of an example of, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. I just saw him as something that was unattainable. Uh, and it wasn't because of anything he said or did. It was just because, you know, I didn't know anything about this Holy Spirit. I didn't know uh, anything about how to work with the Spirit of God, didn't know how to work with, with the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and I thank God for the things that he's taught me over the years. And so... Uh, let's look here in, in um, uh, Luke chapter 4. Of course, Luke chapter 4, this is, this is right, after the, uh, uh, right after the temptation of the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, in fact, uh, uh, let's start here in verse 13. It says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him uh, for a season or for a while. Now, uh, in this story here in Luke chapter 4, it's not so much about this particular uh, story, but I, I think it'd be good to just mention this. Uh, the devil appeared to Jesus directly, didn't he? Talked to him directly. You know, what, Jesus didn't think it was anything of a big deal, right? Like, oh, wow, I didn't know that would happen. Uh, but the devil appeared to him, and then it says, the devil departed him for a season or for a while. But, but the, do we have any recorded instances of where the devil actually appeared to Jesus again on this, while he was on the earth? No. So does that mean that the devil just never bothered Jesus again the rest of his ministry? No. How often was Jesus bothered by the devil? All the time. So, so uh, how was the devil manifested to bother Jesus? Through people, right? If people is what did it, right? So people yield to the devil all the time. So people can yield to the devil all the time. Surely we can yield to the Spirit of God all the time. Amen? Uh, and so uh, the devil never stopped harassing Jesus. He just did it through people after that. But after that, it says in verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. So Jesus returned in this, the, the word power there is dunamis, right? It's the supernatural miracle work and power of God. So Jesus returned in the supernatural miracle work and power of God. Well, that's the same supernatural miracle work and power of God that's in you, right? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, right? Romans 8, 11. Same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Same spirit, right? Now, we know, according to John 3, 34, that Jesus had the spirit without measure. We know, according to Romans 12, 3, that we have the spirit by measure. And so we have, we have a measure of the spirit. We talked a little bit about why that was the case uh, before. I think even at Christmas time, we talked a little bit about, about that. But uh, Jesus said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, what could you do? Speak to the mountain, speak to the sycamine tree. So it doesn't take a lot of power uh, to to change the earth, right? So, so if you feel like, well, I don't have enough power to do that, that's not the case. You always have enough power to accomplish everything in your, in your life. So let's, let's turn over to um, Mark chapter 5. And so, so Jesus was anointed, uh, and, and the, one of the big ministries of Jesus was he wanted to be an example of, of, of how to operate as a minister. You remember we, when we talked about, uh, when we, uh, in the message about, around Christmas about why Jesus needed to be born of a virgin, that one of the things uh, that he, he, he wanted to accomplish was to show that a man 
filled with the Holy Spirit could still fulfill the will of God without, fa- without failing. Because a lot of people believe that, that there was no way that Adam could ever be successful, and that he was doomed to fail. Uh, and so there's a lot of that goes on. But, but Jesus was in the exact same boat as Adam was, exact same position Adam was, uh, without any inherent power as, as the Son of God, as, as God himself. He laid all that aside to prove that, that a man filled with the Holy Spirit could live successfully in this life without failing. Uh, and so a lot of what Jesus did was to be an example for us about how to operate. Uh, and we're not the Son of God. We're not, we're not, I mean, we are children of God, but we're not, we're not Jesus himself. But we have the same spirit that Jesus had. Amen? Not a different spirit, same exact spirit. And so uh, here we have then uh, uh, the woman uh, with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. Let's start at verse 25. It says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things and many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she'd heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch him, uh, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. So her faith was in the power that Jesus had, right? Her faith was, was I know that I'll get healed if I can just touch this person. Now, uh, is, uh, we talk a lot about this in healing school. Is laying hands on people the only way that people can get healed? Not the only way, but it is one way, right? Uh, and, you know, I always thought that, that uh, Brother Hagen had the best way to explain that. He called it the law of transmission. Uh, he called it the law of contact and transmission, that when you contact, uh, for whatever reason, the Lord said it this way, that, that the laying on of hands, the primary purpose of laying on of hands is to transfer the power of God that's in you to the person that's receiving. Uh, and, and, and Jesus had the power of God in him, and she knew that uh, that power was sufficient to get her healed. Uh, and that was her faith. Amen. And this is where people get confused all the time, especially those that are used of God is somehow they think that it's all me. Right. Oh, look at me. I laid hands on people. and They got healed. Well, you can't heal a gnat's wing. Right. You can't heal nothing. I mean, uh, so how would you possibly get the big head? You know, you're really uh, uh, you're really doing nothing. I mean, you're absolutely doing nothing. There's no power. in You know, if you if you uh, you know, you were Einstein and you, you developed the, the equation for the theory of relativity. Okay, you could brag, well, look, look at the equation I developed. But if you're laying hands on somebody and the power of God goes from you to them, what have you done? You've really done nothing, right? You're, you're no more important than a plug in that wall over there, right? You ever brag on that plug in the wall? Oh, that's such an amazing plug. Look at that plug. It sits there. It's so awesome. It's an, I'm going to go worship that plug. You ever thought about a plug in the wall more than a, na- a nanosecond? No, because it's just, a, it's, just, it's just a conduit for the power, right? Nobody worships plugs, and, uh, on, uh, as, uh, at least nobody around here does. Nobody's, you're not worshiping your plugs at home, are you, right? No, no, you're not, because it's, it would be silly to do that. Uh, and so Jesus is an example here to us. And so, uh, so what happened? So she touched his, the hem of his garment, right? And, and, and what happened when she touched the hem of his garment? The law of contact and transmission went into play. That she made contact with, with, the, the, with the hem of his garment, right? And the Spirit of God in Jesus flowed out of him into her. So her faith was in the power of God, right? Her faith was, was that it, it would happen. So that tells you uh, on the receiving end, you know, if you ever go up in a prayer line, your faith should be not in the minister that's there, right? Your, her faith was, was not so much in Jesus, but in the power that he carried because she knew that she, that she could touch Jesus, that the power would flow out of him into her and affect a healing and a cure. Uh, and this is where a lot of, a lot of times the, the, on the receiving end, people get confused. They think, well, that person has got power. 
Well, they, they are a container of power, but you're a con container of the exact same power. But see, uh, you need to place your faith as a receiving party in the power of God that resides in a person, not in the person. Because we're just vessels, right? All of us are vessels. No, nobody's special in that. Now, can a minister uh, yield to more power? They can. They can train themselves, teach themselves to, to operate in all the power of God that he wants to put in their lives. And, and uh, as we go along in the discussion, we'll talk about how you can uh, maximize the power of God that's, that's residing in you, that's flowing out of you. At the end of the day, it's still sovereign. However, however much power God gives you is however much power God decides to give you, right? However much anointing he gives you. He gives all of us an anointing, but how much of that is, it's up to him, right? And I believe that you can, you can augment that in the sense of uh, by living right and praying and spending time with him, that you can get to whatever, you know, whatever 100% that he wants you to have, that you can live in that. And, and, and so there's some things that we can do about that. And so Jesus is an example here uh, that the woman came to him and that power flowed out of him through the, through the law of contact and transmission. So, so if you're on the receiving end, your faith needs to be in the power that resides in that person. If you're on the, on the giving end, uh, it still requires faith. You have to have faith that when I contact this person, that the Spirit of God in me will flow out of me into this person. So it always takes faith, right? Uh, this is a little bit of an unusual case because Jesus, uh, you know, he walked at, at such a level, and I believe that, that it's an example and it's an area that we've not really had that much discussion of in the church, that it, but he walked in such a level that the power of God was so strong in his life that, that if somebody had just had faith in that, they could go without Jesus even having a conscious awareness that he was delivering that power to them. Now, that's an area that we don't really know much about. You know, usually it's, it's, it's almost always about the personality of the person, right? The container, the vessel itself. Uh, and so, um, so this is just, uh, it's a pretty good example. We have to be a little careful about not making it into something that's, that's weird. Uh, but uh, did Jesus have the Spirit of God in him? Did he have the Spirit of God without measure in him? He did, right? Now, was he aware that something happened? He was, because he goes on and says in verse 29 that straightway the fountain of her blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, and I don't know why they use the word virtue, because virtue sounds like, you know, how good of a person you are, right? You know, do you have any virtue, right? Are you honest and good character person? Now, the word virtue is the same word that we read in Luke chapter 4, where it said that the, he returned in the power of the Spirit. The dunamis, right? The supernatural miracle working power. That word virtue is the same word, identically the same word in the, in the Greek here. It's the word dunamis, right? But he knew in him that, that virtue had gone out of him. So that tells us some, something there, that you can know uh, as a person when the power of God leaves you and goes into somebody that you're praying for, right? Uh, and so Jesus knew that he had an awareness that that occurred. Uh, and, you know, I've laid hands on lots and lots of people. And I can tell you, you know, uh, each person I lay hands, I know whether the power of God is going into them or not, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, like laying hands on a stump, right? And then you lay hands on them and nothing happens, uh, right? There's no receiving on their end, right? It, the power is there because we all have the power of God in us as, uh, as uh, carriers of the Holy Spirit. But if there's no receiving on their end, right? Now, sometimes it's because they don't know how to receive, right? They've never received of the Spirit. They, they don't know how to do it. They're afraid to do it. You know, they're, they think it's some voodoo magic or anything. It's things like that. It's, it's, just, it's just the power of God in me, the Spirit of God in me, transferring uh, from me to you to affect whatever it is that you have need of in your life. 
And as you lay hands on other people or you talking to people, right? It's the same exact process. The power of God in you uh, is, is designed and desires to be transferred out of you into the lives of the people around you to affect whatever they have need of. So, so Jesus was aware. He, he was aware that there was a transfer of power. Now, it doesn't necessarily always happen that way. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes just by faith. You know, we, uh, there's no requirement that you have to feel it uh, because faith always says it happens whether you feel it or not. Because Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll what? Recover, right? So, so if you lay hands on the sick, you have to have faith that the power in you is transferred into their physical body to affect that healing and a cure. Are you required to feel anything? It doesn't say that the, the believers shall lay hands on the sick. And if they feel something, then they worked. And if they didn't, then too bad for them, right? No, that, that's not how it works. We have to have faith that if we do what the word says, which is to lay hands on the sick, then the power of God in me, that's how it works, right? It's not magic. It's not some, some strange thing. It's the power of God in me, because I'm a carrier of the Holy Spirit, will be transferred in, into their physical body to affect a healing and a cure. And sometimes, like in this case, you can have a sense that that occurred. Sometimes you can have a sense that, okay, there was a strong anointing. And, you know, sometimes uh, around here, we sense it's a really strong anointing for things. But that doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is not working when the, we don't sense the strong anointing. It's just sometimes he manifests himself and we can sense it. Sometimes he, he doesn't manifest himself in that same way. But if we have faith in what the Lord said, he will still do the work. Amen. So, so don't feel like you, well, I have to, I don't ever feel anything. But, uh, you know, you, you're not required to feel anything. All you're required to do is have faith that the word works, right? If he said the believer shall lay hands on a sick and they'll recover, then that's where your faith is at, right? Your faith is not in feeling anything. Uh, in this case, it did happen, right? There was a sense that Jesus knew that there was a transfer of, because he said, he said uh, I know that power has gone out of me, right? I know that supernatural miracle work and power has gone out of me. Well, well, the interesting thing is, remember what she said that, uh, that she came in the press behind, right? So, so what does that mean? That means there are people all around Jesus, right? Just in the press, right? Packed up, up against Jesus, just being real close to Jesus. And yet, how many does it say got healed in this case? Just a woman. Why? She was the only one who had faith in that power, right? She was the only one who had faith to draw upon that power. And so that, that tells us some things there that, you know, a lot of times you can have an impact on, on what happens in a service because if you're desiring of things, see, she was desiring things, power went out of the Lord Jesus to, to help her. Uh, and, you know, as a minister, I can tell you, I can sense when there's people desiring to know more of the Lord. Uh, and, and it changes, the whole, the whole service will change. The whole service will change in what, uh, what goes forth, what is said, because there are people desiring, they're, they're, uh, you know, some people call it pulling on the anointing, but it's just what this woman is doing right here. It's the example that she had here, that she went, well, I'm going to get that power. And that, and, and that power uh, was transferred because of her faith, right? In fact, what did Jesus say at the, at the end of that? He said, daughter, in verse 34, thy faith has made thee whole. So her faith in what? Her faith in that power, that it would be transferred. Now, she didn't necessarily know all the technical you know, aspects of how that works, right? Uh, but that's why we have teachers in the body of Christ to, to kind of pull this apart and help us understand that. But her faith was that there would be a transfer of power. And it happened, right? Because Jesus said, your faith, right? So your faith can pull that power out of, out of the people that are around you. Uh, and, you know, for me personally, that's the way I've always seen ministers. 
I see them as, okay, whatever they've got, I'm going to get. Because that's what, that's what they're there for. They're there for me to get from them, right? They're there for, that it sounds a little selfish. I'm not trying to be selfish. But, but if, if the Lord placed them in the body of Christ for my benefit, because that's, that's what he says, right? Then my job is to pull out of them what, whatever the Lord has provided to them to give to me. If I just go as a lump on a, 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 you know, just a stump there and I do nothing and I receive nothing and I try to draw nothing from the minister, then then you know what the spirit of God will provide? Nothing. You'll be like the press around Jesus. All these people packed around Jesus. Nobody receiving anything. But one woman shows up and she receives everything and be like, well, how come she got it? Because she went with the intention that whatever that person's got, I'm going to get. Uh, And that's to be our attitude. When I go to, to when I go to a brother Randy service, or go to any minister service. You, we went down to see uh, uh, Pastor Mark Hankins in, in uh, Chattanooga a few weeks ago. Uh, I go with the expectation, okay, whatever they've got, then, then I'm going to get. Uh, uh, and I, I know it sounds selfish, but why are they there except to help me, right? I'm going, you know, I know I'm supposed to bring my supply and I know those things, you know, but I, it's really selfish. I'm going to go because he's, as a minister, there to impart into my life. That's what his, that's what his job is. My job as a pastor is to impart into your life. You should desire that whatever I've got comes into your life, right? Whatever, whatever anointing that I've got in my life comes into your, into your life. And, and, you know, that, that ebb and flow, you know, sometimes people come in, they just work, you know, three shifts in a row, and they're just, you know, kind of a zombie, you know? And like, well, so they're not pulling much. They're, they're hoping to just not fall over and pass out, right? And that's okay sometimes, right? But then sometimes, you know, you just, Lord, I just, uh, 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 we're, we're going to get it, right? I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to get whatever that you have for me. Uh, that's what this woman did, right? She went with the intention that whatever Jesus had, she was going to get. Uh, and so that so we can learn both from from how Jesus operated, that he operated in such an anointing that that uh, it was just there with him all the time. So, so that somebody without even his actually doing anything in particular uh, was able to be a blessing to her. I'm, I remember a story with uh, uh, Jerry Savelle that uh, he said that he was uh, walking through a grocery store one time. And that this woman came up to him and told him this, this, uh, this testimony. She had gone to the grocery store and she was looking. And, and above, all of the, uh, above all of the shelves, she saw this light. And this light was walking through the grocery store. And she didn't know what it was. So she had to go find out, right? You ever seen something? You got to go find out what it is, right? Uh, and so, uh, so she went and found out. What, and when she got there, it was Jerry Savelle walking through the grocery store, right? Uh, and, and she said, I, I need whatever you've got. And he laid hands on her and helped her, and it was a blessing to her. Well, see, that's kind of like the story here, right, where he wasn't in, in great uh, prayer or, or intercession. He was just walking in a grocery store, uh, and the power gone on him. Now, see, you've got that same power, amen? Uh, you've got the same, the same Holy Spirit resides in you. You can be that same Spirit that walks through, you know, now we're not talking about weird things, right? People think, well, that's weird. It's not weird. Is it, isn't this the story we're reading right here? It's, I mean, it, it's weird because it, it's not what the world does, but it's what God does. Amen. So, the, so, so she was able to work with the anointing upon Jesus's life. All the other people, nobody else got it. But this woman right here, you know, it, you ever had people say, I don't think, I don't think he had anything tonight. You know, people say this stuff like, yeah, I, I think he, I, I think he, you know, he, he just, uh, uh, he's just on a, not on his A game today. You know, you might need to get a mirror about that, right? Because it could be your fault. Because if everybody's just a deadhead, right, and nobody doing nothing. And look, there have been services when I've been preaching. It's been a while, but there have been services when I'm preaching. And everybody's somewhere else. 
you know, they're down there, you know, mowing the yard or, you know, they're already at the grocery store, you know, their body's here, but they're at the grocery store, you know, they're thinking about lunch, you know, are we going to beat the Baptist, you know, whatever. And, and everybody else is somewhere else. Uh, and, you know, the Spirit of God, he gets constrained with that because he needs the, you to pull on, on what he wants to bring to the service, right? But if you're somewhere else, then sometimes he goes somewhere else too, right? Now, I've had, I've had people where they will disrespect the Spirit of God and do something just, just, just disrespectful in the service, you know, just, you know, say something or do something, you know, in the service to be disrespectful and, you know, raise your hand and, and uh, okay, uh, uh, you got a question? No, I just want to know what time you're going to get done. I mean, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it's just, no, nobody's ever done that, but, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, people do things like that, you know, or they'll, uh, you know, sometimes people, you know, they get parched, right? Because it's like a whole, like 35 minutes on Sunday morning, they can't not drink water, you know, after the service, they got to do it in the middle of the service, which is fine, right? Well, whatever. But then they get the plastic bottles and they got to crinkle every crinkle, wrinkle, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's like, you know, you could just drink that without, you know, uh, sucking all the vacuum out of it and then causing a big noise. And, uh, and, and, you know, you could be, show some respect. Didn't you learn that in kindergarten, right? Respect your teacher. I mean, you could, it's okay to, okay to respect the, the minister too. But sometimes those things will happen and the Spirit of God gets, he, uh, he you know, uh, the, the Bible talks about uh, 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 not quenching the Spirit. So you can quench the Spirit because if you disrespect the Holy Spirit, He'll just leave. And, I, and I've had uh, not many services, but some service where, where He just leaves. And then, then, then it's a book report because all I can do is just read. I, there's nothing else I can do, right? Uh, and, and so, see, that's, that's things that you can do to, to enhance the Spirit of God moving in a service is you can be like this woman. I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to get whatever I need of, right? That's your job, right? And whenever I go to a service or I go to Brother Randy's service, I go to Mark Hankins, go to anybody's service, I go with the expectation, okay, I'm going to get whatever they've got for me, right? And that sounds selfish, but that's the job of the of the holy spirit right when i go to a service and go to another minister you know their job is to minister to me and, and i know i bring an offering and i you know i engage you know i do my part which is to pull on the anointing but you know at the end of the day it's really kind of selfish and it's okay because that's the way the lord designed it right so this woman here is a good example right she went nobody else got anything she was the only one who got anything because her faith was in the power of god and the law of contact and transmission went into play the power of God was transferred out of the, the life of Jesus into her life to affect a healing and cure, and she got what she wanted, right? Uh, and so uh, there, there's a couple of examples like that I wanted to go through because it should help us on both ends because once you learn how to receive, see, then you can be a better giver too, right? So that when, you go and, when you're going and talking to somebody else uh, and you know that I, I need to have faith in the Spirit of God on the receiving end, then when you're going and talking to somebody else just uh, and witnessing to them, then you need to have faith in the Spirit of God in you, right? That the Spirit of God in me is going to minister to them. And see, if they have no faith because they're, they're not saved or they don't know anything about it, your faith can carry them over, right? Your faith in the Spirit of God in you can carry them over the line to get them what they have need of, even if they don't know they need that, right? That's part of the Lord working with us, amen? So learn how to work with the anointing in other people's lives, and it helps, helps you to work with the anointing in your life so that you have faith in that power. Amen. Same power in you, right? No different. Same exact Holy Spirit in you. Amen. Uh, and the more you train yourself to work with that power in you, the, the more of a blessing you can be to the world around you. Amen. Uh, and so we'll, we'll talk some more, more about this. But um, um, I, I just, uh, just think about this morning about how important teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to the body of Christ. 
And it's really pretty rare that we get teaching like this uh, in the church, right? Most of it's, you know, uh, I mean, it's fine, but, but um, if you get outside the charismatic and Pentecostal church, there's almost no teaching on the Holy Spirit and the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And yet, in your, in your day-to-day life, He's the most important part of the Godhead. I mean, after you get saved, the Holy Spirit is the most important part of the Godhead in your life because He's with you right now, right? He's the one that God assigned to you. So if God assigned Him to you, got to be pretty important, right? And yet... In the church, outside the charismatic Pentecostal church, you hear basically nothing about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's all, well, let's just see what happens, right? Well, no, I don't want to live that way, right? I want to know exactly what's going to happen. Amen. Uh, and so let's, let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you specifically, Father, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, and what he means to us. And, Father, we can look at your examples that you've given to us in the word and learn how to work with the Spirit of God the way that you desire us to work, Father. That we're partners together to advance your kingdom and to affect the lives of the people around us, Father, both in the healings and in power and deliverance, Father, but also in, in, in just having the overcoming power of God to overcome in this life, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you will teach us and continue to uh, reinforce your word in our lives, Father, that these things are for us today. This is not pie in the sky and only for the ministry gifts, Father, but it's for all of our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And just real quick, uh, uh, Miss Mary, you know, we met the other day, and um, uh, you know, after you left, uh, the Lord just encouraged me to, to lay hands on you today, if that's okay. Uh, and um, so if you come up here, I'd like to pray for you. And um, I know it's, it's 2022 and um, there's no time with the Lord, but it's always a good time for you. Right. right. Uh, and so um, it's OK. I'm going to pray for you. then. So, well, Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you. New beginnings and new days, Father, each and every day. Father, we know that there's no time with you. But, Father, we live in in time. And so, Father, I thank you that every day can be a brand new day. And, Father, you said that we can have, yes, Father, we can have the hope of your calling. And, Father, your servant Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. They would, they would have the hope of your calling in them, Father. And so, Lord, I thank you. My sister will have the hope of your calling reignited in her heart, Father, to see and know, Father, and do and go, uh, and to speak, Father, the things that you've placed in her heart. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. All is well, Father. And Father, I thank you that regardless of the natural realm that she sees in the realm of the Spirit and sees your heart and your plan. And Father, knowing that there is hope every day. And so Lord, I ask you to let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Let her see and know those things. And Father, as a result of that, I thank you that, that your power, Father, Your mighty power, Father, 
will grow and increase in her life. And she will affect the lives of those around her. And yes, Lord, I know she doesn't even see often how much she's impacted the lives around her. But you see it, Father, and you've recorded it in heaven. And Father, I thank you for the great treasures that she's set aside even in her life, Father, up to this day. You see them and know them, Father. So, Father, we thank you for days of hope, enlightenment, Father, to be filled with that same spirit of seeing and knowing, Father, that you desire for to have. And, Father, we thank you for great fruit and great increase in her life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And, Father, we just thank you for new days ahead. We thank you for increase in your word and increase in your spirit. And, Father, we thank you that uh, great fruit will be born in our lives because of your word. And, Lord, we thank you for a great increase in this year, increase in the realm of the Spirit, increase in wisdom and knowledge of your word, increase in revelation. And, Father, we thank you that every, everything that we lay our hands to, Father, shall prosper according to your word. And you will direct us into that path and show us those things, Father. And, Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. It's the uh, first of the month, so you know our, our tradition is that we receive communion on the first service of the month. And um, so if it's okay, we'll just take a minute to do that. Uh, I think receiving communion is always a good thing to do. It reminds ourselves, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we can remind ourselves of things that Jesus has done for us. We were at church in uh, Murfreesboro one time, and they received communion, and and um, that you know the 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 bread to juice ratio was a little bit low, I thought. So I got kind of choked on that bread. I had to leave the building. You know, you ever get choked on the communion bread? Isn't that terrible? Because <laughs> uh, they don't give you enough to do anything with it, you know. Uh, but um, so. Uh, uh, some people believe that this, this bread turns into the body of Jesus, but it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything. It's just plain old bread, right? Uh, it's unleavened bread, and, and um, it's just plain old bread, nothing special about it. What's special is our remembrance of what Jesus has done for us, amen? Uh, so he, he said, this bread represents my body, right? It's not actually his body, doesn't ever turn into his body. It just represents his body, right, which is broken for, for us. He said that whatever he took on his body uh, was for you. He said, I did it for you, right? And so what does 1 Peter 2.24 says? By his stripes, we are what? Healed. We're healed. So how in the world the church doesn't believe in healing? I don't know, because Jesus said, I mean, every church receives communion, right? Some churches do it every single week, right? Uh, in fact, uh, um, I had a friend of mine, uh, he goes to the first church of doubt and unbelief. They receive communion every week, right? They don't believe in nothing else, but they believe in communion, but they don't believe in healing. Well, how can you believe in in, in the communion and not believe in healing. I don't make any sense. Just drink the juice then. Forget the bread, right? Because everybody believes in the juice part. You know, washed away our sins, blood of Jesus, you know. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. But he didn't say just receive juice, right? He said receive bread and juice. 
Uh, and he did that. I believe he did that because healing is such a critical part of people's lives, right? Living in divine health is such an important part of people's lives that he knew that that would be an issue because he could have had anything, right? He could have said, eat a ham sandwich or, you know, he could have done anything in communion uh, uh, instead of just bread and juice. It could have been a lot of things, could have corn dog or anything, right? But he picked out bread and juice because he wanted to emphasize the blood of Jesus and, and the work of, of uh, his bodies being broken for our healing. Uh, so if he if he wanted to emphasize that, then what should we emphasize in the church? We should emphasize healing. We should emphasize the blood of Jesus. Amen. Seems like uh, that would be a good uh, thing to follow because that's just what our Savior did. Amen. Uh, and so let's let's remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us. Amen. So Father, we thank you for this bread which which represents your body. Uh, Father, nothing that was done to you was done as you being a victim. Everything was done by your design, by your choice, Father. Every stripe that you received on your back, you did by choice. Uh, they thought that they had uh, captured you, and they thought that they had beaten you uh, for their benefit to show you that they were in charge without knowing that you were in charge the whole way, that you were in charge designing everything and allowing those things to happen. But every stripe that, do, that you received, Father, that uh, another type of sickness and disease was destroyed and so father we thank you that you chose to do that you chose to receive stripes in your back for my benefit and you told us to remind ourselves that you did this and so father we remind ourselves that we have the right and the privilege to live in divine health you paid a great price for it father uh, it wasn't a small price in fact you said in your word that uh, that that you were marred beyond the recognition of, of even being a human being that's how, how much destruction you allowed to take place upon your body so that we can live lives of divine health. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And by faith, we receive all the healing in our bodies, Father, that's available to us. We choose to live free from sickness and disease because you took great pain and agony on your body for me. And by faith, we receive it, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, the blood of Jesus, no more precious substance in all the world. And your blood, Father, was sufficient to wash away all of our sins. Not most of them, not some of them, not just the big ones or just the little ones. Your blood was sufficient to wash away all of our sins. And so, Father, when I receive this juice, I remind myself that I'm washed by your blood, made clean. I stand before you clean. I don't stand before you as... As a sinner, Father, I stand before you as a clean, washed child of the Most High God. Father, I am not a sinner. I'm a child of God. You've washed me, made me clean. And so, Father, your blood has done that. And so I remind myself, Father, that today I stand before you clean, washed in your blood. And when you see me, Father, you see me sparkling clean uh, without blot or, or blemish, Father. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. You know, there's uh, um, I think the Lord was just really wise in encouraging us to receive communion on a regular basis so that we can uh, maintain our faith in those two areas. Amen. You know, there's not the, the only two areas of redemption. There's a lot of areas of redemption, authority and different things that we received as part of redemption. But the Lord Jesus decided that those two things were important to him. And so uh, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 
Uh, and so this is not just a once a year type of thing that he implied, you know. Uh, there's no rules or regulations about how often you do it. But um, uh, the Lord Jesus was pretty, was pretty sneaky, right? I thought he was pretty sneaky about all that. So, well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, today's tithes and offerings. Amen. Brand new year. Amen. Uh, as far as the, the, uh, um, uh, the United States government, it's a brand new year, right? And the Lord doesn't really care about that, but uh, the, uh, the U.S. government. So uh, you will all get uh, records of all your giving from last year as part of the, the church. Uh, we are a, a, a tax-deductible organization there. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, I don't give because I get a tax break. You know, I hope you don't give because you get a tax break. I give because the Lord Jesus instructs me to give. Amen. Uh, but, you know, if we get a tax break for doing it, we can take advantage of that. Amen. I got no problem with that at all. So you'll get your uh, forms in the mail uh, by the end of the month um, with all that the information there. And so um, and then also uh, usually at the beginning of the year, usually in February sometime, we have uh, we call a business meeting where we just kind of go over uh, the finances of the church. Uh, once we get everything pulled together from the previous year. So we just kind of go over all the finances, let you know where uh, all the money, uh, I don't, don't let you know where the money comes from because that's uh, none of your business what this person over here does, right? And so, but we tell you where we spend the money and where it goes uh, and that sort of thing. And if you have questions, then we can uh, answer questions as well uh, for you because all that information should be available to you, right? If you want to know anything about the finances of the church and where the money goes, you're always welcome to ask. It won't offend us at all. Uh, if you want all of the uh, spreadsheets and all that stuff where that goes, you know, uh, if you want copies of all of that bank information, you're welcome to it all. Amen. You know, uh, we don't post any of it. It's none of anybody's business out the church, but um, uh, it is available if you want to see that. Amen. So don't forget the two forms in the back. Uh, and also don't forget uh, we're starting our eighth year of healing school today. Right. Uh, uh, and so um, that'll be at three o'clock and you all have a wonderful week and you and you're dismissed. <laughs>